0: Welcome everyone to episode one of the MBE Enterprise Podcast, where we talk about money, business, and entrepreneurship. I'm here with our first ever guest, investment analyst, Matt Gendrew. Matt, how are we doing today, man?
1: Doing great today, Tealyn. I've been been looking forward to this for a really long time, and I'm just absolutely stoked to be a part of episode one here. And uh, yeah, yeah, let's get it.
0: Dude, I can't tell you how excited I am, Matt. Um and I just want to get it rolling right away here, honestly, with this first question. It's it's not a question directly related to making money, right? But it's actually talking about giving money, which is can be just important, really. Um Matt, how do you approach philanthropy and giving back to the community as your financial success naturally grows?
1: I think philanthropy is a really important part of or should be an important part of everyone's life. Um just because Everybody has some sort of a cause that they're really passionate about, whether it's for religious reasons, maybe it's political things, or just things they're passionate about and that that they care about. So um, I think it's a great way to not only just because of the obligation, some people feel obligated to give back, but um, it also impacts your legacy and just everything you do and just how you feel about yourself. So, um, personally, my approach is. You know, I've considered a lot of different things but one thing I noticed was on my way to work every day and I know a lot of people encounter this especially in the cities or, or more concentrated areas but there's a lot of homeless people and you know, there's all the debates out there about whether or not you should give them money because you know are you enabling them or making their life worse but also, with our current understanding now, it's not like it was, um, you know, even years ago. It's addiction is more of a disease than it is just a choice. You know, maybe they made a choice at some point in their lives if they are struggling with those kind of things, but that choice is well in the past. And so much of it is just mental health, and that combined with a lot of other things, where people don't know how to take advantage of the resources out there. So, um, yeah, what I decided to start doing was. I don't even know if you'd call it an initiative, but I just went out, and I got a bunch of McDonald's gift cards, and I also, you know, just keep my mind, keep my eye out on Facebook Marketplace for things like tents, stuff like that, and um, I've gotten in the habit of when I do see a homeless person, just stop and talk to them, and first just ask them for their name, and uh, what, their, what their prayer intentions are, and that's enough just to get them talking, you know, they feel, they feel seen, they feel like a person, and I'll tell you. I'll tell you a lot. Sometimes it'll be something totally wild. And sometimes it's something they wound up there because of something that could happen to you or I. And um, I think the the reason why I chose the McDonald's gift card is because, you know, that's a pretty direct, there's McDonald's everywhere. And uh, you know what it's going to, you know, it's going to help them out. And uh, yeah, I might just brighten their day, making them feel seen. So um, that's just something in my life that's you know, it's really kind of helped me too. Just gave me sort of grounded. I'm like you and I, Teal, and we've had lots of opportunity in our lives, and some people just don't get dealt as good of a hand of cards. So I think it's uh, right to just be aware, and, uh, in a good way that I like to, that I like to help out. So.
0: No, that's honestly amazing. Like I'm thinking to myself right now. I feel like I just threw you a layup of a first question. Like I had no idea <laughs> about that. I had no idea about that going in. And that's honestly so amazing what you're doing. I had no idea, but like, I just can't even express it right now. That, that's, that's really awesome. And I think that's something that everyone can learn from, right? Because I mean, not only is doing something like that, I, I love the part where you mentioned you talk to him, right? You start a conversation, like just getting to know someone can just brighten their day so much. And this isn't a psychology podcast, right? But getting into the psychology of addiction too, like you mentioned, a lot of times it's like a rabbit hole that you get down, like not a YouTube rabbit hole or whatever, like learning wise, but a bad rabbit hole you get down and it it can be a downward spiral real quick and it's hard to get out of. And like you mentioned, it could be one wrong move can change like everything. And yeah, you, you mentioned you come from a pretty fortunate place. And I think a lot of people come from pretty fortunate places overall and they kind of take it for granted sometimes, right? Like, well, like ah, you'll be complaining about, Oh, I just, I just was listening to an episode of Joe Rogan actually. And he's talking to Zach Bryan, the country singer, and they're talking about Zach Bryan's talking about the amount of situations that people have to come out of that are extremely difficult. And yet we'll be complaining if our coffee doesn't taste right or, or this or that. And it's like, Really taking time to put things in perspective is insanely valuable, not only for you to help the world, but also you to help yourself, right? Like to help your own mindset and just not get too frustrated with problems that you have because you don't always want to be thinking that, oh, it could be worse, right? But it could be worse, right? Like that's that's exactly what it is. So honestly, like I said, I had no idea about any of that. We were just trying to start it off on a on a generous <laughs> foot in a way, and, and you absolutely blew that out of water. That's amazing. Um,
1: yeah, I guess what what I would say inspired it too is, um, you know, it's my dad's a firefighter, and he says he has his what they call their client base, right? And it's it's the less fortunate of the population, of people that are really struggling, and they know most of them by name just because they see them on such a regular basis. And um, you know, myself, I'm guilty of it too, but it's so easy to see a homeless person and think why don't you just get a job? You know, you could be spending all this time doing something as simple, simple as flipping patties at McDonald's or doing something that you'd think would be so easy to do. But just the amount of mental health issues and just things that are going on in these people's lives is they can't like 90% of them could not even if they really willed it, like they just really can't. So um, that's kind of what inspired it. And some things that have came from these conversations have really really impacted me. You know, like sometimes I'll ask him, you know, what are your prayer intentions? They'll tell me a few things and, and they'll say, well, what can I pray for for you? You know, like they genuinely, like they care, you know? And that's always really striking to me too. And just the other day, this was actually yesterday, um, you know, I've been saving up for this car that I've wanted for quite a while. I finally got it. Um, and yeah, Congrats. It's, it's a pretty... Kind of was kind of a sporty looking car, you know, and so I pull up, give this girl a McDonald's gift card, you know, we're talking for a bit and she says, I like your car, is that something you've always wanted? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I have for a while and she's like, oh, does that make you happy? And I was like, yeah, you know, like it does. But after hearing what she just said, I said, you know, what can I pray for for you? She said, just pray that I'll live through tomorrow. And it that really just struck me. It's like, look what I'm worried about, look what I'm so concerned about, and working so hard for, and she's in this position too. You know, another human being on the same level. So, um, yeah, it's it's really been eye opening for me, and uh, yeah, I've I learned to really really love it. So,
0: that's awesome. And one thing I wanted to mention too that you brought up the fact that you you know don't just give them the money and walk away, right? But having a conversation. And I know I already brought this up, but volunteering and giving your time which you know is exactly what you're doing can be so much more valuable than just simply you know handing someone a five dollar bill and going on your way like it's it's unbelievable the difference that makes you know and you could be changing people's lives and that's honestly that's honestly amazing
1: that's really true and it's interesting you say that because um especially our point our point in our lives matt is um, everything's an opportunity cost, you know, I'll, I'll probably bring this up again down the road in this podcast, but something I think about a lot is, um, what are you, what are you spending your time doing and what are you doing to grow in these crucial years post-graduation? And, you know, you and I both graduated in the past year and, um, you know, it's sort of a, like the rat race begins, right? Like some people are working 80 to hundred hours a week. You know, in your free time, you better be reading self-help books or, or doing something in the gym always to grow. And um, time is money. You know, like, we, we have these opportunities, too, and we we could be out making money, and it's you don't necessarily just have to. It's not about just setting aside 10%, whatever it is of your paycheck, to, to give to these good causes. Your time is just as valuable, um, if not more, and can be more impactful, too, you know? It's your personal touch, and you learn a lot more from it too, so that's um that's another great form of philanthropy um, if not financially so
0: yeah, no that's very true and and you like really it comes down to the fact that there's a lot more to life than just money right and it's it's easy to say that for anyone on the planet that has money, obviously and not not even like I'm saying I'm rich, but I'm just saying like anyone that's not. Struggling week to week or month to month, right? It's easy for people to say that, and then other people to look at it and be like, "It's all about this, right, but in reality, you know, have you ever read the book Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankel? I
1: can't say I've heard of it now
0: uh highly recommend um it's about you know essentially a person's experience in Auschwitz and their mindset and how they you know came out of it um but that's just something right there that it can give you a whole new perspective on, on just life. And then when you're thinking about like, you know, I'm just grinding, I'm grinding 12 hours a day. All I'm trying to do is make money 14 hours, 16 hours. Like I'm sleeping the bare minimum. I'm doing everything the bare minimum. And I just want to make money. Then you make all the money in the world. You buy everything you thought you wanted, you get it. And it doesn't change your life at all. Right. The experiences along the way are what change your life, not whatever you bought. And, you know, in some cases, like for example, your car situation, that's something where you had that as, you know, a lifelong goal. Like you've wanted that for a while and then you worked hard, you got it and it, it paid off, right? That's different than just being like scrolling through TikTok or scrolling through Amazon and be like, Oh, I see this $2,000 watch I want to buy because I will look cool and fancy in front of my friends and you buy it where it one time and you're like, ah, I kind of like my old one better. You know what I mean? Like it, you, you come to realize that sort of thing. And I mean, I feel like we covered that pretty well, Matt. And kind of on the topic of how you're spending your money, right? Whether it whether it's to make more money, whether it's investing, whether it's buying something, expenses, whether it's philanthropy and donating. Uh, another question I wanted to ask you is, what's your perspective on the balance between spending currently, right away, on something you want, and then also experiences and indulgen- indulgences versus just saving every penny you have for the future so you can be a billionaire when you're 85?
1: Great question. Yeah. And that's a that's definitely a hot topic today is, um, you know, how much are you in our situations? You know, the housing market is ridiculous. Everything's expensive and we're just starting off. Most of us, again, back to the point of just graduating, uh, already facing a big hole of debt. So you better be saving constantly if you want to be comfortable in even 10 years. But I think the important thing too is why are you doing it? You know, like why, why are you working so hard? It's because, you know, the idea of delayed gratification and saving up very important, very great, but you want to enjoy your life too. I mean, these are some of the best, everyone talks about how it's the best years of their life for when they're younger, you know, you have, you get to the most fun stuff. You have the least amount of responsibility. So I think you definitely need to throw it on a scale and, um, my personal take is that you shouldn't be so deprived of doing fun things and spending money that you're always missing out and um, you know just setting yourself back. I think, you know, it's okay to <laughs> buy that expensive concert ticket because it's your favorite artist or um, whatever it might be. You know, buy the watch that you're saving up for because you worked really hard for it. Like, you have to reward yourself for working hard because... Um, yeah, you shouldn't overindulge, but it's a great way to remind yourself, like, I'm doing this for a reason, and um, you know, just give yourself a, a piece of that payoff every once in a while. I think it makes it a lot easier to keep the vision in mind, and I think it's really important to just maintain a good quality of life, especially for your own mental health. Um, you know, it's, lo- it's going to be a long time before we're, <laughs> before any of us are, are comfortable and wealthy, so um. why suffer through it you know
0: yeah no i think that's all that's all great this is actually a topic that i've switched up on in the last couple of years like not drastically but when i was like 17 18 you know that that sort of age end of high school early college i was like the ultra saver investor like i had a rule with myself i was like anything i buy that's just like a discretionary spending, um, you know, which spending when you don't need to spend it, right? Discretionary spending, anything I would do like that, I had to 100% match it with an investment into um, equities markets, right? So that was a rule I had with myself. So if I went out and got Chick-fil-A for 20 bucks, I was putting 20 bucks into the stock market that night. I had a rule like that. And, you know, on the one hand, it's helped me because I have saved, right, enough to get by, like not have to worry about things drastically, right, bills, that sort of thing right away. But at the same time, I messed out on a lot of stuff because I'd be like, I don't want to buy that. Like I'm going to have to, if I buy that, I'm going to sp- have to spend another, say it's a $400 concert ticket or something insane, right? That would be awesome. Mom. I'm going to have to spend $400 investing it and it's actually costing me 800 So there's blessings of it in that, It allowed me to save and I was disciplined and diligent about it, but I also missed out on some things. And over the last like year, I would say I kind of had a mindset shift on that from you know my original mindset was I want to invest as much as possible because I want to retire by twenty five, right? That's always been my goal. And I wanna I want to clarify this. When I say retire, I do not mean Sitting on a beach doing absolutely nothing or just, you know, literally doing nothing. No, I mean, like passively running companies, right? Like, but just not my version of retire is not even retirement. It's just not working like a nine to five office job. And so many people say that, and I feel like it's gotten so cliche now in a way, but that truly was it. Like, I just didn't want to be tied down to an office. My retirement was still working, but just essentially from where I, excuse me, wanted to be working from. Um, and my mindset kind of shifted because I thought about it and I was like, okay, for me to retire my form of quotes, retirement at 25, it's not going to happen through just investing in equities markets. Right. I was like, I'm going to have to start a business at some point and that's the route I'm going to have to go. And then tying along with that, I was like, if I'm going to start a business, it's going to be a grind, like you mentioned. And why would I want to just you have to be grinding but why would i want to just be constantly like hating myself right i i'm actually just starting to read uh the book 4 hour work week by tim ferris um and one of the things in that he talks about is taking like mini vacations and and he's talking about when you get to a little more wealthy than like like i don't even want to say a number necessarily but I don't know if you could pull this off. I haven't finished the book yet. I don't know if you could pull this off at like, say like a 30, 40 grand a year, but he's talking about like, if you got like 60,000 a year job, which like, I feel like in general, that's a solid salary, you know, a like good salary that you can pull some of this stuff off just by obviously knowing the loopholes that he talks about in his book. And that's why he wants you to buy the book and read it, obviously. But something like that, where it's like, not necessarily needing a billion dollars. I'm not going to get there investing, but if I could run a business that I can run from my computer and not have to be tied down to that location, one of the biggest things he mentioned in that book that really struck me as interesting was he's like, if you control the environment you work in essentially, and, and the time that you work, that salary becomes three to 10 times as valuable as the salary where you're stuck in an office or stuck in a particular location. Now, what do I? What does he mean by that? Oh, it's Tim Ferriss's words, not mine. What does he mean by that? Well, he talks about how you could have an office job that makes 300 grand. We'll even go less. We'll say a hundred grand, nice salary, hundred thousand dollars, nine to five every day, probably some overtime hours. Like it's probably a grind at that point. Or he's like, would you rather that? Or would you rather you have a job where You work essentially entirely from your computer. You can travel for the most part when you want, where you want, as long as you have your computer on you for $40,000 a year. And I think that's an interesting question to ask people. And I'll ask you it afterward. But, you know, it sounds so naive and and dumb to be like, well, you don't know anything. Obviously, you take the $100,000. Like, that's a huge difference. And it is, don't get me wrong. But, I think people chase the money, and I'm young. I don't know anything. I'm stupid. Don't listen to what I say. But I think people chase the money, myself included, at times, more than they chase, you know, the life experiences that they actually want to have. Because nobody wants the money. Like i first little website business thing I ever started, like one of those slogans was, you know, investing buys you the freedom, it gets you the money, but nobody cares about the money. You want the time that the money can buy you, or the freedom that the money can buy you. So that forty thousand dollars salary. If you can do those experiences still, do some of those things you want to do, but because you're not tied down to that office job, well, is that more valuable than the $100,000 where you can't do that stuff or you have to take this week off in order to do that or this or that? And that's what he's kind of talking about. The, the The numbers and figures can change, right? But what he said was three to 10 times as valuable. And I, I really thought that was interesting. And it kind of struck me because I've kind of always thought that, but he kind of just put it into words on a piece of paper. And it's amazing how I have to bring this up again, because I was just listening to this episode with Joe Rogan and Zach Bryan. But Zach Bryan was talking about how he loves songwriting different realm. But he said, it's amazing how words on a piece of paper can just make people feel emotions or totally change the way people think. And I think that's something that's fresh in my mind. And I I found really interesting and something too, with, with books and reading, like sometimes you can be reading Too much, almost in a way that where you're like you think you're getting something done, but if you're learning it and you're not applying it, you know you're not actually really getting anywhere. As opposed to reading something really powerful and then putting it into action and applying it to whatever you may be doing. So, gender, would you take a hundred thousand dollars in an office nine to five all the time, or forty thousand dollars working from your computer and you could just go wherever you wanted when you wanted, essentially? And there is no right answer.
1: That's an interesting point. And um, I'll answer that kind of walking it back a minute to what you said. Um, I think the point you're trying to make is one of my favorite sayings out there is that you, are you working to live or are you living to work? You know, some of the highest earners out there, some of the hardest workers are also some of the most miserable people just because of how much it impacts their personal lives, their families, um, you know, all that they do give up in order to have that successful career and get that money and it's also a complex you know once some people get so sucked into this trap where you can always be working just a little bit more and making that much more money and it just keeps increasing and then you don't even really you lose sight of why you're doing it in the first place so i think it's really important for everyone to just sit back and evaluate you know why am why am i grinding as hard as i can in the office and giving all these things up like what am i working towards because if it really is just a large sum of money then you're missing out on a lot of the best things in life so um and back to our earlier point that just comes down to prioritization um, back to our point of experience versus saving for the future you know what what are your priorities is it to when do you want to have a good time? What do you want to spend? What means the most to you? You know, like myself, relationships matter a lot to me, my relationships with my friends. Um, you know, I'd I, I turn on a job that I had too many hours, even if it was my dream job, just, you know, if it meant that I had to sacrifice some of those things, because it's so important. So um, I think as long as you keep that in mind, um, then yeah, you'll, you'll stay on the right track. And that's how you'll eventually find happiness down the road. But, um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of traps out there and it's really easy to get sucked into just being focused on making the most money. So there's a lot of opportunities for it if you, if you do work for that. So, but, um, back to your, back to your last question there. Um, I probably take the 40,000, you know, just for, again, cause that's more opportunities beyond the job itself. And, um, yeah it's it's always you know people like you and i are like-minded in that way it's that we always want to be chasing something bigger than what's going on you know the worst the worst thing that you can do for yourself especially as a young person is becoming complacent in whether your work or your life um as long as you always have a goal in mind that's much bigger than what you have going on um you know attainable or maybe even just beyond that scope um, you'll 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 stay growing so that's that's the most important thing
0: yeah you mentioned growth at the end there i think that's something that's huge uh the edge of your comfort zone right you don't want to be so outside of your comfort zone so much that you just shut down right but doing things that put you on the edge of your comfort zone that's how you grow and once again i'm dumb i'm 22 years old i don't know anything right but that's From what I've read, what I've seen, what I've witnessed, like that seems to be key. So doing that thing that you're like, I don't know if I want to do this, but I should probably do it. I just don't know. Do it. Like that's when you have to do it, right? I I see things now and I'm like, I have thought about like getting a sales job recently, actually. um, Partly because, you know, the the commissions you can make, like you you don't necessarily have a ceiling in, in certain situations where you might otherwise. But also just because I'm like, you know, calling people on the phone or talking to people about trying to sell someone something that's that's never been something that I'm like passionate about or like super love doing. Right. But I've gotten to the point now that because that's how I feel, I'm like, I have to do that now because if I'm going to have a business like sales is such a huge aspect that is that is business like in a lot of ways you can have the best product ever you can have the best service of all time but if you can't sell it to anyone you're not making any money like that's how it works so that's something that i think is, is really important just being on the edge of your comfort zone like you said and then allowing yourself that room to grow and you will look back on it and be like wow i'm so glad that i did that right almost always but you have to go out there and do it first
1: yeah. And if I could wind it back to just the topic of why, um, you know, everybody's good at something and we're, we're designed to, um, you know, everybody has their own skills and back to the topic of just, you know, your, your overall well-being and why you're doing it. Everybody just wants to be happy at the end of the day. And if you're not fulfilling what you were meant to do and you're, you're not chasing the things you're good at and exercising those skills, um, you're probably not going to feel, feel good about yourself all the time. So Um, yeah, just, you know, you guys gotta, gotta keep that chase up and keep, keep the goals in mind and and keep grinding.
0: Very true. Very true. And moving on a little bit here earlier, you mentioned something about debt and another question that I wanted to ask you is what's your perspective on the role of debt in business and personal finance. And those are two things. We'll probably tackle those separately. And then how do you manage it effectively? So Matt, let's, let's start with personal finance since we're kind of on that topic and then we're going to shift in a little more to business topics here
1: yeah um that's that's a whopper of a question because it's always a gamble the biggest the biggest roll the dice that any any young adult takes you know you and i just did is uh, your your college degree you know it's unless you have somebody who's paying for it for you you're going to be in a Pretty significant amount of debt to go to a good school, even if you have good grades and earn those scholarships, you're still going to end up in in a pretty big hole after you graduate. But you know, you look at the statistics. You know, the average person with a degree makes I don't know the exact number, but it's it's a couple million on average more than the person without. So it is. It's in a way, it's a long term investment just to your own career, and that's without starting your own business. That's just for being in the regular workforce, but. So I think that's, you know, you just again you have to look at your goals. Like if that's something that you know that you can follow through with and do, by all means do it. If you don't, you'll be shorting yourself. Um, but then you know what you mentioned about business. That's a whole different ballpark. Like you and I with with our business, Circular Sands. Um, you know, just a just a little, a brief little summary of it here. You know, Matt and I we we've been working on this business of. Converting recyclable glass back into sand and then putting it in golf course bunkers to uh, take the place of natural sand that's, you know, out a, a shortage right now in our product. We think it's more sustainable, higher performing, totally customizable. Um, you know, we think it's a great idea, but it's it's still in the works and we're grinding on it. But our biggest challenge right now is that, OK, if we want to build this warehouse and really pursue this idea, well, you know, we'll be looking for half a million dollars in funding and we can back it up with stats we can pitch it to people and maybe we can get that funding but assuming we'd be wanting to take on a certain amount amount of that debt for ourselves just to avoid giving away equity in the future well i mean that's terrifying you know because you look at what can happen if it doesn't work out and it's such a big jump like we're taking the blue ocean strategy this is a thing that's not out there uh we're going to be first to market so you know it's easy for your mind to race why isn't this being done already surely someone's thought of this um why did it fail what aren't we seeing and maybe we're right maybe we're right and it'll make us into multimillionaires maybe billionaires but if we're wrong <laughs> if we're wrong then uh our lives will be a heck of a lot more difficult for years to come than they are now and it'll be a major setback but um so It's unique for everybody that's facing that, you know, you at the end of the day, you got to work as hard as you can to find the best data and you just got to throw it on the scale. But that's part of the jump, though, Matt, you know, that's if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. You know, everybody would have their own business, but it's not. And it's it's terrifying. And um, if you can get over that and take that jump, that's why people are rewarded so significantly with, you know, all the success and money, because um, it's really hard to do and and few people can achieve it who knows you know maybe we will maybe we won't but uh people who people who have the entrepreneurial mindset and just love running towards the sun constantly after one thing or another it's it's part of the chase and it's fun but um yeah i can't say it's can't say it's not a little daunting for sure
0: for sure yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head right there actually when you mentioned kind of the entrepreneurial mindset right you got to fall in love with the game. You can't fall in love with what you think the outcome is going to be. And it's it's a similar lesson, like in general to just life, right? You, you chase the experiences, you chase the freedom that money can give you. You don't chase the actual money itself. Like money is just a vehicle, right? To get you from whether it's point A to point B or whatever it may be. In that same way, like entrepreneurship, the game is what you have to fall in love with if you fall in love with oh we're going to be millionaires we're going to do this and that it's all everything's going to work perfectly like a you'll lose sight of obstacles that are potentially going to come you know you'll get too optimistic this that the other thing b when you run into issues you'll get overly pessimistic and you'll be like oh it's never going to work i got to start something new um all that in general and, and really is it has to be the game that you enjoy and once again, I feel like all this sounds so cliche because people talk about it so much now, the game, you know, this or that, but it, that is what it is. Like, if you're not in love with that, like, I think about it now and I'm like, why did I want to start this podcast? Like, part of it was networking and just connecting with people I know and, and, and listening, learning. That was a big reason, too, just learning from some of the smartest, brightest minds of business that I know. I can't think of a better way to just besides obviously just calling them up on the phone but i'm like oh i could document it i could look back on our conversations and learn from them even more so learning and networking big aspect of it but i'm like it's a podcast like i've never been interested in the software you know the, the volume or video editing that goes into podcasting or like content creation in general like when it first got big i was one of those people who would just roast tiktokers i'd be like what are you doing you're dancing in front of a camera like and obviously this isn't that, but at the same time, it's, it's understanding that content creation, whether they understood it or not, that's like the future, right? That, that's the present and it's, I'm sure it has a large place in the future too. And so I'm like, well, if I really love the game, like, and I'm not straight up building a brick and mortar business buying, you know, buying a piece of land and, and and property and putting up a building and selling something directly. Like if I'm not doing that, well the future is online. The present the present is online. We're seeing it across the country as far as like decreases in brick and mortar sales everywhere and upticks in online sales also everywhere. So like it's literally not even the future. It is the present. And someone like me, I was clearly behind the scenes starting this podcast now. Should have started it back in twenty twenty. Um but You know, I'm I'm finally doing it now and I started a couple along the way, but this one was the one that really felt like this is right. Like this is what I want to do. And these are the people I really want to talk to and I think I can learn from. And so that's, that's kind of the big reason, but just circling back around classic business term right there, circling back around to what I started this with just falling in love with the game. And I'm like, I don't love video editing. I don't love photo editing. I don't like the software behind the sound of a podcast, making sure stuff's right. Like I'm new to this. I just want to talk to these guys, but if I'm going to do that, I have to do this and that the work is my vehicle to get to where I eventually want to go. And so there's work that needs to be done and I will do it. That's kind of the mindset I've taken with it.
1: Something I think is really underestimated or underappreciated in the entrepreneurial experience is just um, the power of failure. You know, you got to learn to, you almost got to learn to like the taste of your own blood, right? Um the only the only true failure that comes is when you give up on something but if you just keep pursuing it and you keep getting knocked down well that's when you learn the most you're going to learn more than you'll ever learn in in any class or especially through constant success because learning what not to do is going to teach you so many more lessons than than anything else and um, even if you fail like pursuing something you're still going to have great success through just networking the people you'll meet um, you know, building the financial models that you did, you know, building, building the whole business model, you're going to learn so much and getting knocked down for that failure is just going to make you better equipped for the next idea that might have more potential to go. So, um, and that's, you got to enjoy that too, right? <laughs> you got to, you got to enjoy the, the downsides of it too, because that's where you really, you really do learn the most. And that's what you and I have learned too, in our experiences is, you know, both of us have had several, Entrepreneurial, uh, you know, ventures that um, maybe we're still working on them. Maybe they have potential. Some of them don't. Some of them flopped. But um, thank God for every one of them. Though.
0: Exactly. You, you can't get to where you are today without everything you've done in the past. And that's why, that's why I like when people talk about living with no regrets. And when I say that, I don't mean like if you did a bunch of stupid stuff, like you're gonna regret it. But living. I love the expression YOLO, not for the reason that most people say YOLO, right? Most people say YOLO, you only live once just to, as an excuse to like do something dumb. You know what I mean? Like it's just totally an excuse to do something that's not actually productive. And it might be fun. Like there might be a time and a place for it, like we talked about earlier. But I love YOLO because, yeah, you only live once. So you have one life, you got one shot to be what you want to be, be who you want to be. Accomplish what you want to accomplish, live to your full potential. Like, I think, I feel like that should be everyone's goal is to be the best person they can be, right? Accomplish what they can accomplish and love the process. So that's why, side note, why I love YOLO. But you also mentioned the failure aspect of it and learning from failure. And that got my mind thinking. Uh, another topic I wanted to talk about that is all about avoiding failure in the first place is mentor mentorship. And what's kind of your thoughts on the role of mentorship in entrepreneurship, especially, but even just business as a whole, or just honestly, life as a whole, really?
1: I mean, I think, I think it's crucial to any success that you're pursuing wherever, if you're just going on it all by yourself and figuring everything out for the first time, you're going to have way more challenges and you're going to be set back a lot more. And it's really just you don't have to learn everything the hard way Um, by having a good mentor. You know, it can save you a lot of time and a lot of hardship. And um, it's one of the, that's one of, that's been one of the biggest contributors to my growth, especially through my college career, Uh, especially in my internship and in my current job is just, um, you know, always having, again, about goals, just always having something to look up to, you know, having a person to look up to and just seeing, you know, you want to be like them someday and you can see not only okay how does this person how does this person act in a board meeting you know how do they conduct themselves in the in the workplace it's not just about that it's about how do they go about their lives you know how do they go about their their well-being and their health um you know or their relationships with people and all these things that contribute to ultimately contribute to you being successful in the workplace um you know there's there's a lot that goes into um, you know what's going to set you up for a good day at work and and all that so i think i think it's really important to always have somebody to go to for advice and somebody you're looking looking up to and that's been one of the biggest contributors to uh, where i am today you know my dad the most and also just really great bosses and um, also mentors at you know saint thomas and at school that i've had so far it's it's been just such a significant factor in all of that so for sure and anytime you're talking
0: about mentorship you also have to think of keeping your ego in check and i say this from a personal perspective of when i was younger i just wanted to do everything my way because i was like i know how to do it i don't i don't need not so much my way i guess of like bossing other people around but more so my way of like i don't need a mentor i'm gonna figure it out on my own right i have this ego and i'm like i'm gonna do it myself i don't need anyone to help me like i don't I don't want anyone's help like i just want to do it on my own and, and accomplish it myself and i think there's something to be said for that attitude still in a way because i i think you kind of have to have that attitude in a way if you're really gonna if you're really gonna have the mindset in the first place of trying to accomplish something great whatever realm it might be in but you also have to check that and that's something that's changed in my life also is checking that ego and being like if i really want to get there like would i rather do it just my way or should i be smart about this talk to someone who's done it already get their perspective on it and then like you said it still might be hard but you won't be learning it the hardest possible way right you'll just be learning it the hard way instead you know or the easy way, people like to say easy way versus hard way, but I like the saying of, you know, learn it the hard way as opposed to the hardest possible way with no help at all, right?
1: Yeah, you have to be good at identifying what are, what are the qualities that make your mentor a good, a good example to look up to. Like, for example, maybe, maybe you have a boss that's taught you, you know, everything there is to know about some aspect of business, but nobody in the workplace likes them because they're, you know, really hot headed really obnoxious, uh you know, full of themselves, there's plenty of people out there like that too, so um you know you have to be careful which qualities that you that you pick and choose to to look up to because it's easy to also see, yeah, this person's great, I want to be just like them, but um you know, you'll have so many mentors throughout your lives, and if you just take the best qualities and try and see what they do that makes them successful, see the best things and uh, take those things for yourself. And uh, yeah, that's that's how I've gotten the most from it myself. So. Yeah,
0: I actually just read a book um, called How to Win Friends and Influence People, a pretty popular one in business. And one of the things it says in there is, I think he was actually quoting some previous, someone like Vanderbilt or Rockefeller, it was someone like that, that just said, or maybe it was even Ben Frank, and I can't remember. And it was something about, there's something to be learned everyone has something you can learn from them right everyone is an expert in something and everyone knows a ha- at least one thing probably a lot more than one thing better than you do so there is something to be learned from everyone and i think that's a huge thing too of just going and and talking to anyone on the street be like this person knows something more than me like i can have this big ego i could be making 20 million dollars 400 million dollars a year they could be working at McDonald's and there's a handful of stuff, probably a lot more than that, that they know way better than I do and that I can learn from them. And just having that mindset of always wanting to learn and always wanting to improve really also ties into that entrepreneurial mindset in general, because it's all about learning that that is entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurship is a synonym for problem solving is what I like to say, because that's all you're ever doing is problem solving. So just knowing that you can learn something from everyone and then finding a mentor You can learn exactly what you need to be learning at that time, or at least very close to it, can be absolutely crucial to the development and probably is absolutely crucial to the development of almost everyone who's ever become extremely successful as far as business and entrepreneurship goes. And tying in along the lines of mentorship as well, I have another question, and it's what was the most impactful lesson a mentor taught you and why in particular?
1: Yeah, I'd have to say, um, you know, in my internship, I learned this was during um, a sales role. I was doing some sales and some hiring. But my boss told me, you know, you don't, you don't really know what you're doing at first, you know, especially when you were dealing with people who are know really high positions, or you're hiring somebody for a high position or, or trying to sell some really big products. It's, it's, it's daunting, you know, you almost feel like you, <laughs> you're not supposed to be doing it. um, Because it's so new, and you don't know as much as you feel like you should. But um, one rule that I've always held to be steadfast is just always stay in the driver's seat. Just remember that you're always in control. You know, um, there's a lot that you can do to be confident or as confident as you can be. And, um, you know, you're always, you're always in control of your job. You're never stuck in a job. You know, you're never, um, you're never under, uh, under experienced to be doing what you're doing. Um the best thing you can do for yourself is just to do it and to not be afraid to to mess up. And, um, you know, you're supposed to be there. You earned it. If they hired you, you know, you are there, man, just do it. So, um, yeah, real number one, always stay in the driver's seat.
0: I like it. Confidence is absolutely key. I mean, it's been proven time and time again in, in th- thousands of different ways. Right. But confidence, they talk about it all the time and it gets, I think it gets, I think growing up too and being taught to be humble at times is almost conflating the idea of not having confidence, if you know what I mean. Like being too humble, you always want to be humble and gracious, uh, you know, a gracious winner and a gracious loser, obviously, right? But being so humble to the point that you take a back seat to everyone else because you're like, oh, you just do you. You know, I, I'll, I'll just, you go ahead, you do this, you do that. Like, just go ahead. I'll just be like, you don't want to step on anyone's toes in a way, right? You just want to take the back seat and people conflate that. I feel like with being humble and not having confidence and put those in the same boat. At least I feel like I have in the past at times where I'm like, no, now I'm like, no, you're in the driver's seat. Like be confident, be humble when you win, be humble when you lose, obviously, like I said, but have the confidence too, to know that you're going to win. Or you're gonna do it, or you're gonna fail, but you're not failing because you're just learning a new way that didn't work, right? And you're getting one step closer to winning in whatever realm it may be in. Like I think that's something that's really important. Is you people, you should be humble, but you shouldn't confuse humbleness with a lack of confidence and just being passive in that way. You follow kind of what I'm getting at there?
1: I think what you just said is huge because it's such a fine line between those things. But one thing that I think I believe will get me the farthest in my career. Aside from obviously, number one is just having the best work ethic, no matter what you're doing. But number two, you want to be liked by everyone. You know, like you said, everyone's good at something. Everyone has something to say. You know, don't write people off because you underestimate them. Just get to get to know everybody. Give everyone a chance, and um, I think that's a big part of being humble too. Is no matter where you stand in the workplace, you know, you again, you know, you got to be. A, Friends with the CEO and friends with the janitor too you know you got to be you want to get to know everybody not because you feel like you have to but just because you genu- genuinely you know want to get to know them and because um, you know they matter they might not do something for you maybe they'll do something for you that you didn't even know but I think being liked by everyone is one of the or being being kind to everyone you know and being humble is one of the biggest things that will contribute to your reputation and that's what's going to get you ultimately referrals and um, lead to a lot of opportunities down the road because who's going to want to refer somebody who's a, you know, a, yeah. a total? they might do good work, but they're a total hothead and, um, nobody can stand them in the workplace. Like I, to be honest with you, Matt, I'd much rather hire somebody that, um, I enjoyed being around that worked hard and somebody who I knew knew how to do it, but, um, you know, <laughs> is really stuck up. So I think, I think that's uh, also another rule number one.
0: For sure, yeah. And I like that you clarified being kind to everyone as opposed to being liked by everyone. You should be kind to everyone and give everyone a good opportunity to like you. But you also have to know that there's going to be people in the world who just woke up on the wrong side of the bed that day and for whatever reason, whatever you happen to do, tick them off and now they come off as they don't like you. Like You don't need to bend over backwards to make everyone like you, but you should be kind to everyone still and give everyone every opportunity to like you, you know, you know, I think that's kind of, and you, you corrected it after the fact, but I just think that's a big, big differentiation there. Um, in a way.
1: That's true. Especially since you spend more time with the people you work with than you do your friends and your family. So even if you have nothing in common with them, you can learn to like them and build a, a personal relationship with them. Ultimately it's going to make your life a lot easier around too. It's going to make your life a lot easier too.
0: For sure. And moving on here a little, another thing that ties in with mentorship, but also that team building aspect that you were just talking about. What's your opinion on the solopreneur, um, so not entrepreneur, but solopreneur approach versus building a team? And how do you decide which path to take in your endeavors?
1: Personally, I would never pursue being a solopreneur uh, just because i think the the more of a well-rounded team you have and the the more diversity and skill and perspective that you have the more successful you're going to be because the more people your business is going to relate with i um, mean you know i i can say this myself like matt when our when our business started up um, you know i started as a senior project in one of my classes and it was a constant struggle just <clears throat> trying to keep up and moving it, move it along at a sufficient rate, especially in areas that I wasn't as skilled in as the ones that I was passionate about. But um, you know, after that first project, when you and um, our other associate Ben joined our team, you know, you two both also have your own unique set of skills and we, when we can all apply those to what we're best at, it's, it's incomparable. The difference at the rate that you truck along And ultimately, what's your goal? Do you want to be the solo owner of a 20, 30 million dollar business? Or would you rather be a minor owner in the same business that get up to, you know, three to $500 million? That's a totally random example. But, um, you know, once you get going with something, it's a race. It's you want to go as fast as you can, both because people are going to compete with you. And because, um, you know, scaling a business, that's the biggest challenge once you've proven your concept. So um, I think the more well-rounded and the, the, yeah, just the, the more skilled people you have who are professionals in their own area and can focus on that, that's the best thing you can do for yourself.
0: I love what you said there about the example of being the majority owner of a million dollar company or the minority co-owner of a $5 billion company, right? I just listened to something recently. Um, shout out to Alex Harmozi, by the way. Absolutely love his content. Um, probably consume more of it than I should, right? But I absolutely love his business content, entrepreneurship content, and just live content as a whole. So shout out to him, even though he's not going to see this. But any of you guys interested in looking to someone, maybe as a mentor, if you don't have a mentor in person in your life, um, I would recommend trying to find one. But then if you can't, you know, Alex Sormozy has a lot of great stuff. And one thing I just heard him talk about, I mean, it sounds so simple, right? But would you rather have a small entire piece, a, a, an entire pie, right? A whole pie that's small or a slice of a massive one, right? And, and he was talking about it in the sense of equity investment and versus debt um, financing, I should say equity financing versus debt financing. But it works the same way. Anytime you're diluting ownership and giving, giving ownership to someone else, you're talking about that, and, and and that's when you have, as an entrepreneur, or any founders, right? The same thing. You have to think to yourself, like, okay, is this person going to grow the pie as a whole? Because if you're, if I'm bringing them on, and I'm just bringing them on to bring them on, and th- there's no particular reason, and I don't think that they're going to necessarily grow the pie that is my company, well, then you know it might not be worth bringing them on. Obviously, if they're not going to grow it at all, because then you are getting a slice of the same size of pie as opposed to the whole thing but if you bring someone on uh, strategically and and they are effective in why you brought them on and what they're planning to do well then you might grow the pie 10x and if you just split the pie in two but you grew it 10x I'll take those numbers every day right if I'm an entrepreneur if I'm a founder so yeah I think it's it's key solopreneur is interesting because I feel like a lot of things maybe start that way just that initial grind, like someone has to have the passion, you know, like you could say you started out that way still, but you always get to a point where you need a team, at least a, a guy, another or a girl, you know, you need someone else, right. To help you. But eventually if it gets big enough, you're going to need that team. You, you won't be able to do it by yourself. And I think that ties back into what we were talking about of being a likable person is going to help you build that team and grow that team much more effectively and then also quickly, quickly as well because like you mentioned speed is also the name of the game in business right that's that is everything you can be first to market for example our potential idea but if, if you're first to market and you don't act on it it doesn't matter that you're first to market right the, the advantage of first to market is is the speed that you go with it once you're there so getting to the top another thing that i heard from is getting to the top is you know relatively easy compared to staying on top and that's what really sets sets companies apart for sure
1: yeah yeah absolutely and um yeah like back to our last note like just the stuff that especially um you know again you and ben being my partners um uh, you know you both are just so good at what you do it's like i i see you know your work and it's like yeah i i don't even know how long it would have taken me to do that and nor do i even know if i could so um yeah it's it's been great and uh, you know it's like you guys are just as engulfed in this idea now as me and it's You know, I think something you and I were just talking about the other day is how lonely it can be, you know, being an entrepreneur because of the grind that it requires, you know, and the the amount of sacrifice, you know, what you have to give up, um, especially time with your friends or just, uh, you know, things you like to do. Again, it's about the delayed gratification and working towards something much bigger than what you're doing now. So especially when you're doing that with a team too, it's, you don't have to sit there and motivate yourself. You know, there's people doing the same thing with you. And when you're working towards a goal as a team, it's so much more empowering and and motivating. And, uh, you know, you hype each other up and you talk about what it's going to look like in 10 years. And, uh, you know, sometimes whenever I whenever I'm feeling, you know, having doubts or, you know, whatever it is, or just uh, down bad, you know, hitting a wall, it's all it takes is a call to one of you guys and I'm just ready to run through a brick wall again. So that's another um, phenomenal part of it that uh, people also don't consider as much. For sure. I I
0: totally agree. I can't tell you the number of times that I've been like, "Ah, is this going to, you know, is this going to do this or is this going to do that? Or the flip side, I'm so excited about something that then I have to call one of you or one of you guys call me, we talk about it. It's like, all right, You know, keep your emotions in check a little bit, right? We don't want to get overly optimistic. We don't want to get overly pessimistic. Um, I think that's really important with a team too. And they can, if you have the right team, of course, you know, they can help you a ton in that aspect. And kind of tying right into this and and just a short answer, Matt, um, what are some things you do? How do you manage the work-life balance that comes and often becomes a challenge for entrepreneurs that are deeply invested in their ventures?
1: yeah that's I mean that's a pretty easy answer just again comes down to prioritization you know i I know what's gonna get what's required like I start the week out by just mapping out how much time do I need to do I think I need to do the work that I wanna do you know which days can I afford to stay late in the office you know which days will I have open to work on our business and then you know after that it's okay, I wanna get in the gym at least two to three times this week uh, and then also you know what's going on with my friends so it's easy to map out the week ahead of the time and just you know if you have if you have more free time i like to overestimate a bit what's how much the workload is going to be and then uh, yeah you know you just fill in your free time with fun stuff and prioritize the the bigger events the social events and stuff like that too and um, yeah yeah you just yeah. you just got to map it out
0: one thing i want to add you said it's easy to plan it it is but it's also not because a lot of people don't do it right like I think planning your day ahead of time or planning your week ahead of time is absolutely crucial. Like Some people really just don't work that way. Some people. But I think a lot of people would benefit from just, just plan it out. Just write it down. Right, Write it down the night before what you're going to do tomorrow. Uh, set your clothes out the night before for what you're going to wear tomorrow. And you don't have to waste that time. You don't have to spend any time just thinking or getting in your own head about, oh, do I want to do this or that, you know, and it gets, it's gets down to wasting time really. Right. Like planning things out in advance is not hard, like you said, but it is crucial. And a lot of people don't do it because it's just, it is hard. Like it's not hard, but it is because you have to do it mentally. It's more challenging than it is physically.
1: And, yeah. It's just about, you know, you got to just got to commit and build up those mental calluses. You know, there might be a last minute plan. Oh, your buddies say, Oh, wait, you know, do you want to go out? you know for beers after work today but you knew you've known since it's friday you known since monday that you were going to go to the gym on friday because it was one of the twos that two days this week that you could and you know you're going to see them again the next day it's okay you got to commit to it because if you can't keep your commitments then you're just going to doubt yourself more in the future so the more that you can just follow through with that uh, the more you're going to believe in the future that you'll be able to accomplish the things that you want to. You know, David Goggins talks a lot about that, especially. He's he's, you know, again, <laughs> listening to him will get you ready to run a lap around the world after one of his podcasts. But he uh yeah, it's just about committing, following through and and just those mental calluses. You know, when you don't want to do something, that's the best time to do it. Because good. If you don't want to do it, you're going to anyways. And then you also get that reinforcement that, you know, darn right, I'm going to I'm gonna do this because you did. And then, you know, when you start seeing a return, it's one of the most gratifying things.
0: And it builds your confidence for the future too, right? And I love that you brought up Goggins because that idea of you controlling your mind as opposed to being controlled by your mind, right? Oh, I really don't want to do it. I don't, I set my alarm. I said I was going to wake up at this time and I'm tired. I don't want to do it. Go back to bed controlled by your mind, right? No. I said I was going to wake up at this time. My alarm went off. I am going to do it. I'm, I know I'm going to be tired. And that comes with preparation too, right? That's, I think, an underrated aspect. You, you have to prepare for that. You have to be like, okay, I, I need to get up at 530 tomorrow to get the work done that I need to get done, whether it's a homework assignment for school or whether it's a massive business project, right? Or whether it's just anything. Okay. I need to get up at 530 and I don't usually get up that early. I have to prepare my mind and know that when I wake up, I'm going to make excuses in my head and be like, oh, I'm tired. I'm this, I'm that. I don't want to do it. Like You have to know that's coming and that comes with preparation. And I think that's something that a lot of the people that talk about, you know, just just do it or just do this, do that. They, they don't bring up as much. And once again, not like I'm some genius or anything at all, but I think something that is helpful is that preparation of like, okay, I know it's going to be hard. I'm expecting that. And that's why I need to do it. Right. And the last thing I kinda want to talk about, there's two kind of similar questions, Matt, but they tie together well. Um the first one, in an age of increasing automation, right? We're seeing automation everywhere, AI everywhere. Uh, do you have plans to integrate artificial intelligence and machine learning into any of your businesses?
1: That's another interesting question. Really hot topic right now. Um you know, my, my personal view on AI, sometimes I wish it wasn't even a thing at all, but since it is, uh, you know, we don't have the choice, you know, we, we have to embrace it, whether you're a fan or not, if you don't, you're just going to be increasingly setting yourself back. It's there, take advantage of it. You know, it, it's made the work that I do today, you know, even at the, for the firm that I work for now, exponentially easier. Um, you know, even in some of my personal life, I use it and it, it makes everything so much easier. You know, just don't lose your personal touch. You know, write those emails yourself to, to people you know and who are expecting that. But, um, at the end of the day, if you, don't get on, if you don't get on the boat, you know, and you miss it, you're going to be so much farther behind, especially since, I mean, think about it. Think about one, two years ago, you know, AI was just being softly discussed, doubted heavily, and all of a sudden it kind of went from zero to 100. There wasn't as much of a in-between with it. It was kind of like when ChatGPT was a thing it was people trust they loved it right away and it's everywhere and there's so many each week there's so many new ai platforms because now everybody's number one goal with it is to automate everything um and just make things simpler so as it increases you're you're only doing yourself a you know you're only setting yourself back if you don't take advantage of it so yeah i absolutely do but not to the point where uh you know i lose the personal touch i don't want chatbots, you know, talking to my clients or, or people being able to know that it's in place. But I think there's a lot of places where it can be a great advantage. Uh,
0: yeah, I love that answer. And it's, it's super interesting, obviously. I, I am curious that you brought up the part about the emails, you know, and the responses, because I was just listening to something recently that was talking about how there may come a day that someone calls and the, the person on the other end picks up, calls customer service, the person on the other end picks up and the original caller says, hey, am I talking to a human or a robot? And the customer service agent says, this is a robot. And the caller is like, thank goodness, because that now I know I'm going to get my question answered in the most efficient manner possible. <laughs> and I heard someone say that. And it, it really struck me. I was like, wow, like that's crazy. But it's also not that far away because they talked about with AI how... It was going to take over, you know. First, it'll take over all the blue collar jobs and all the, the the basic jobs, like repetitive tasks, this and that. The, the last thing that it'll take over will be the creativity. And there's plenty of people that have talked about this, but it's actually the opposite, right? The, the creativity aspect is the first thing that it's taken over, right? Writing original thoughts on paper, like whether people will argue they're original or not, or their plagiarism or whatever, right? They are essentially original thoughts for for the purpose that they're being used for. So those creative aspects, drawing pictures, like you, I can do a little sketch on, I think it's Adobe Fly, Adobe Firefly beta version. I can do a little sketch and then like draw some green on the ground and a blue line through it. And then I can tap on the green and it'll bring up all sorts of different grasses that I can fill that in with. And then I'll tap on the blue, all sorts of different rivers. Like it knows exactly what I'm drawing and can make a real life image out of it. And then you're talking about, you know, pictures media videos all being made just from ai like right now we're using ai to make it But what happens when it's just it's just ai making it like how how will we know will we know you know i don't know it's it's crazy and i don't want to spend the whole time talking about it here but it is something that's extremely interesting and i, I also love that you mentioned that the ship is going to sail right whether you like it or not i i personally i think a lot of things would be not simpler in terms of getting them done but simpler in terms of I think life would just be a lot simpler if, if I guess, if you didn't have innovation ever, you could argue that. But if you didn't, if we didn't have AI, it'd probably be a lot simpler just knowing where to go or knowing what the future holds, right? But that's part of the beauty of life—you like never know what the future holds, and it's it's going that way. Like it, all signs point toward that it's going that way. So you either hop on the ship now and and try and better yourself with it, or you will probably spend a lot of time complaining about it in the future because. You didn't take advantage of it, and that's—I mean, I use AI on this podcast. I'm going to use it heavily because why would I not? It's—it's it's just another form of leverage, right? Is it a—who uh, uh, is it that said, "You give me a long enough lever, and I shall move the world"? Um, ah, uh, I, I need to know this. Not—it's not, one of the one of the Greek gods or, or Roman gods, but essentially that's a quote, right? And it's "You give me a long enough lever, and I'll move the world," and that's what leverage is. So I'm really mad that I can't think of the the person that said that it's going to drive me nuts after this first thing I'll look up by the way, audience in case, you're wondering, um, Matt, last question I have for you here and it ties in with AI too. Um, in this rapid, you know, technological advancement that we're seeing, how do you personally see, I, I know you talked about this a little, but how do you really see the future of AI and automation impacting entrepreneurs specifically? Um,
1: I think the biggest tragedy of it is that, you know, it's never been easier for an ordinary person to become exceptional without putting in any work at all, just by using AI. And, um, you know, that especially, you know, it starts in school, you know, AI writing essays and all this and that, but people just aren't forced to learn and you can get so far without doing anything. So I think it'll really separate, um, you know, the mediocre from the great because people with people with that drive some people are just born with it and that won't be sufficient you know if you people who have that drive to and always want to learn more and and uh, you know be building yourself up you know you won't want to use it for those things but um, yeah I think it's going to get awfully confusing as it gets better um, you know again it's gone it's came so far just in the last year or two The last chat GPT, I believe it's GPT-4 development, was you can train it on who you are, how you talk, you know, they study, what do you do for work, you know, they look at all your emails. The more you talk, the more it sees you talk, the more it understands who you are until it basically is another version of you, you know, it might even pick up on your slang and your, you know, consistent language, you know, errors, whatever it is, and in a few years who's to say we'll even be able to tell at all anymore um and that's clearly the way that it's going so it'll be interesting to see but um yeah i don't know i mean there's some countries that you know are trying to outlaw right now um you know across the world and that want nothing to do with it and um it's it's just really interesting i mean america obviously is so all about it and it's it can just do so much great but also take so much away at the same time but uh, at this point, we don't have a choice. So I, r- I really don't think there can be much done, you know, especially with, you know, everybody having the, the opportunity. You know, it's an entrepreneur at the end of the day created it and they're not breaking any laws. You know, it's there. So um, I think, I think I don't think it's bad in itself. You know, I think we should use it for what it's worth and, and take advantage. But, um, you know, again, just keep in mind, uh, you know, who you are and and, and, and don't become uh you know don't become a just a, a robot yourself and let it do everything for you because again your brain is your brain is basically another muscle if you're not exercising it then you're just you know you're losing it so yeah for sure for sure 10 seconds or less here Jendru what are your thoughts on
0: Schools being extremely against or promoting the use of something like chat GPT
1: I think 10 seconds or less Oh I think there's situations where it uh, could be helpful to certain projects and certain where it wouldn't but you know there's software now to detect AI teachers can run, run things through it, but then there's also software to counter that so students can do that and then it gets countered again so um, I also think they're going to be really confused, but um, I just hope that uh, you know, there'll be enough, enough dread out there and people with good intentions who will come up with, you know, software to keep, keep students on their toes. And uh, yeah, we can just keep hope that people will keep learning, you know, even with that being an option. So
0: for sure. For sure. I, I see it very similar to the internet. They used to, you know, ban you from ever going on the internet during anything. Now, pretty much everything you do is on the internet. I think it all comes down to how quickly they adapt it and that using it as a tool to help you get things done, not just doing it for you per se, but using it as a tool to get things done exactly the way you want them quicker. I think in that regard, it's extremely innovative. And I think just like anything, everything has an equal and opposite potential for good or bad is what I kind of think, right? If you have something small that doesn't have that great a benefit, well, it, it probably doesn't have that great of downside either, but if you have something like, I mean, think of nuclear power, right? You can build an atomic bomb that destroys the world, or you can build a nuclear power plant that powers the world, right? They're have equal, they equal and opposite in that way, kind of, is, is the way that I personally think about it. And I kind of think that's how AI is too, right? It has a potential for a whole lot of good, and it has a potential for a whole lot of bad. And we'll find out. We don't really have a choice because we're going to find out. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, I thought it was really fun. Matt loved having you on. Hopefully I'll have you on again very soon. Um, And yeah, I'm going to be pumping out these episodes and talking to the brightest, smartest business minds, entrepreneurship, money, everything that I know and that they know. More importantly, what they know. That's why I'm bringing them on. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you soon.